Good morning and welcome to the Flow Track Podcast. My name is Lincoln Shrike. Joined today by Gordon Mack. It is Monday, May 11th of 2020. Basically hit the uh, two full months of quarantine life at this point. Feels like it's been six years. Uh, Gordon, how are you doing today though? Doing good. Mother's Day was yesterday. Did you call your mother? Uh, I called her on Saturday. Um, so I didn't I did technically too. call my mom, but you know, yeah, you know, we're, we're all, we're ahead of the curve. Get ahead, get ahead of it. Just know <laughs> that you didn't just start thinking about mother's day the day of I, you know, my wife is a mother, so that's kind of transitioned into being my top priority. And that's the one thing it's, you know, when you've got multiple moms in your life, it can be quite the juggling act. You got to appease your own mom. Then you got your wife and my son's too young to uh, do Mother's Day on his own. So, you know, I'm just I'm, I'm trying to be I'm trying to be uh, spread my love multiple places, but it's tough. You know, it's like, hey, I know you're my wife and you're a good mom, but it's like you're not my mom, but you still got to take care of that, too. It's just some of the some of the things I do to sac- sacrifice for the people in my life. Uh, but, yeah, it was a good day. That's good. Yeah, my mom is actually born around Mother's Day, so I always do a little double dip where I'm like, happy birthday, happy Mother's Day. So I wasn't sure when my mom was born. I just know it's around the same era, like time period. It turns out she's You don't know your mom's birthday? No, it turns I always know it's around Mother's Day because, you know, oh, wow. you just remember it's around that time. Tough, it turns out it's May, it's May 13th. So I called thinking it was her birthday on May 10th. Uh-huh. Wow. So I ended up I I basically wished her a happy birthday and a happy Mother's Day on neither of those days on Saturday and then I got it over with. And she said I was the best son because I was the first to call. And you're always the first to call if you call before the day actually That's arrives. True. So I got the best child points of twenty twenty. Oh. So then I checked that off and now I move on to preparing for Father's Day, which will be in a month mm. or so. You know, no judgments here because I have certain things that I neglect in my life. But for all the things, the stats you remember, the teams and their seventh men and whatnot, you can't remember your own mother's birthday? I Listen, I know you got the ballpark, but you don't have the exact date down. I mean, you only are required to memorize like, you know, you probably have like I probably have 10 people in my life that I've memorized their birthday. Do you do you oh, not have, have that same count? I don't know when my sister was born, my brother my mom or my dad i know the you, area i know it's like the second or third week of. that's crazy to me that is crazy we just never were told to learn it we just kind of i just kind of leaned on my parents to kind of be like oh by the way dad's birthday's coming up here's you should give him this tie i'm like okay thanks i just never was told to learn you know i don't know i i, <laughs> I guess it's a bad maybe i'm do you know your girlfriend's something birthday awful i do it's today so oh wait what are you serious yeah may 11th oh yeah today well that's weird that was totally coincidental oh wow that's my birthday's on my mind yes yeah that's something new i learned about you that you just kind of uh loosely ballpark family members birthday birthdays that's uh that's a new one to me uh i feel bad when i like forget my friends birthdays but knowing there's someone out there that doesn't know their parents birthdays they just have a rough idea that makes me feel a little bit better about myself but there I guess go. you've made it this far, only loosely knowing some people's birthdays. So I guess you're you're going to be okay. All right. Uh, on today's show, we are going to talk about a, a variety of things. 
Once again, the NCAA committee has more ideas how to change the sport of track and field and cross country. I guess this one's specifically focused on cross country. We've seen these things before. Most of the time they don't go through. This one feels a little bit different in regards to NCAA cross country. I know coaches forever and always have vouched, certain coaches in certain corners of the country have vouched for changes to NCAA cross country qualifying. People are just out on the COLA system, I guess. Uh, and this one seems like it has a real good shot to go through. We'll also talk about Oliver Hoare going professional, signing with uh, Ray Flynn. And the mystery that we will probably solve today of Nick Willis and Adidas parting ways and what the next stage of his career with sponsorship or not or retirement or not will look like. Uh, what do you want to talk about first, Gordon? I think we should talk about the uh, the NCAA qualifying. Um Alex and Ryan, their their new pod, Underneath the Grandstand. What do you think of that name, Underneath beneath. the Grandstand? For, Be, beneath, beneath the Grandstand. Excuse me, I don't even beneath. say the, I don't even say the, That's okay. the name correct. I mean, think, if you can't get birthdays right, name? how do I expect you to get podcast names right? That's okay. Yeah, uh, they they had a pod uh, earlier, the most recent one with Dave Smith, uh, Oklahoma State head coach, great friend of the pod, great friend of Flowtrack. Uh, I remember – uh, a funny story with Dave Smith and you when you first worked at Flow, you were assigned to go to the Cowboy Jamboree as mm -hmm. like was you like your first trip working at Flow Track in like 2014. Uh, yeah, yep, trip? that's correct. So that's correct. You go there to cover it. It's sponsored by Brooks, so you have to like go do like sponsored coverage. And what did Dave Smith say to you? What did, he, what did he say to you when you first met him? I can't remember if it was that he – I showed up, and obviously that was still the era. Maybe many people were still expecting Ryan and Alex. And he saw me, and he said, what is this? I can't remember if he said the C team or the D team. It was an insult either way. I think it was the D team. They say, what is, what, is Flowtrack sending the D team? And I was like, oh, man, this is uh, – welcome to – welcome to uh, – Stillwater, I guess, right? I mean, it. Since then, I found out he's a he's a very good guy, and that was just, uh, I think, his sense of humor. And obviously, you can laugh at it now, but back then, I was like, "Geez, this is like I'm jumping into the deep end here. I'm getting called the the D team." And uh, yeah, it's a funny moment to to think about. And I do when I think of Dave Smith, I do always think of that story. And then also the story of when we were at, I think several months later, when we were at NCAA cross country at like a Buffalo Wild Wings in Terre Haute. And he came up to our table and like chugged a beer that somebody was drinking. I don't know whose it was, but it was, it was, that, 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 was it mine? Wasn't it? I think it was your beer. I can't, I can't. You just took your beer and drank it. It was funny. <laughs> just, just so many great Dave Smith moments. But here is in this episode, I was listening to it a bit this morning. Uh, you know, he's obviously seemingly against this proposal by the NCAA committee. Here, here's basically what we know so far. They want to turn it into a five-region system for Division One, as opposed to the nine-region nine region system that we currently employ. There would be qualifying to regionals. Conference champions across the board would get instant qualifying to, to regionals. But basically, there would be about only 80 teams qualifying for regionals, which we know now there is no qualifying for regionals as it stands at this point. It's basically you can have it to where your season starts at regionals if you truly want it to be that because there is no way 
to get into regionals other than you just show up. That would be the changes. And as Dave Smith talks about in the podcast, it's it's kind of that he sees it as this committee is looking for ways for cross country to quote unquote resemble other sports to where the regular season kind of means something. Your performance at conference means something. And also to me, it, it's, it, I think there's something to be said about the, the resembling other sports. It does seem, I think I could, it could be seen as a little bit ludicrous that every team from Oregon all the way down to, you know, John Smith University, that's not a real school, but you get what I'm saying, can can run at the regional meet. And I, I see some angles there. It is a strange thing to, to think about it changing so dramatically. Um, but I'm wondering, for someone like yourself who's put so much energy into thinking about the COLA system, thinking about NCAA qualifi- qualification, what, what are your thoughts about this? Well, my first thought is that, hey, don't 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 shit on an idea just because change people don't mm-hmm. people don't like change right so it's yeah, always going to be like your first thoughts always going to be like no right because we we don't want change right especially if you're a coach or a team or an athlete for or the system has been working for you right you're where you're you, you you have your process you have the meets you go to and then you show up and on a good year you can finish in top 10 on a bad year you're finishing 20th and you just like that system, right? Because it, it, it treats you well. Um, and so when there's change to it, you're like, ooh, does this mean I have to race more? Does this mean I have to race harder? Does this mean that I have to change something? I have to travel somewhere different? Or does this mean that, like, I can't, like, that comp, like that conferences I need to think about more? Stuff like that. That's why I think coaches are, are worried yeah. about any change. First thought that I have, though, is that Let's be honest. The regionals races are the boringest races in cross country because we can talk about how it's great seeing NAU versus BYU versus Colorado in the mountain region. Three of the top five teams are racing each other. And on paper or like in headlines, you would think like, imagine if we got to see Alabama and Clemson compete in December before their bowl game, like you'd be like, everyone would watch that. Right. Cause it's like, Whoa, right. two great. The same way people really watch like the LSU Alabama game at the end of the year. Cause it's two highly ranked teams facing each other. However, in this situation, these three highly ranked teams, they don't care if they lose win or lose because yeah. the way the system is designed is that it's a glorified jog for these talented teams, especially for like an Arkansas and South central region or for, even the, even the, the, the deeper regions, you know that there's going to be a lot of teams that go. So you just know you need to finish in the top five. And it just – it's not a real race, right? I mean – Yeah. I think so, that's probably sort of the thing they want to want to look at, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think I mean, that if you limit to five, all of a sudden each region gets thicker, right? More deep, better competition. And – you know, you're just changing it. It's not just there's it changes how you race the run the race. You know, you're not just like chilling. You know, still if you're a really great team, you can still chill. Like NAU, I don't think it's gonna have a problem making NCAAs in the system. Right. But I just think it will, you know, add something new and like, hey man, why not? If it doesn't work, we can switch it back. But let's try it. Yeah. Why not? 
That's I tend to be skeptical because there's been things like this over the years that are always coming through the woodwork, whether it was 2015 or whatever year it was when there was talk, oh, we're going to change the 1500 at NCAA Outdoors to the mile. That didn't happen. And then you can go last year where there was rumors, and maybe this is still on the board, oh, we're going to change the men's race at NCAA Cross Country from 10K to 8K. Well, that hasn't happened yet. Now here's another thing, and maybe this is slightly this has more momentum behind it than other things just because we've heard coaches over the years talk about oh change is coming to the regional system it hasn't happened yet but maybe this is the the final change that is actually going to take effect because we've been hearing so much about this over the years and uh it's something that kind of makes sense but i'm a i'm a person that i'll believe it when i see it type of a thing because there's always I mean, literally every, you can maybe remind me of other examples, but every so often there's these proposed things of cha major changes to whether it be track and field or cross country. And then more times than not, they don't go through. And we kind of, we get all up in arms about it. And then it comes down to it and we're like, oh no, it doesn't happen. Now, maybe this pandemic and, and time to really sit back and think about ways we want the sport to look different when it does come back. Maybe this this pause button is a time when change really will take effect. But again, like I said, I, I'll see it when I believe it. Now, to get on to what's actually being proposed, I, I think I support it to be honest. Now, I'm not a coach and I'm not a student athlete. And so I wouldn't be feeling the direct changes myself. But as a spectator, as an onlooker and someone who, you know, is pretty involved in the sport, at least from from a distance, I think you look at it things from like this. Let's let's take the South Central region. That region's a joke. Let's let's be honest. Arkansas and Texas have ruled that region forever, and they don't even have to remotely worry about regionals. We talk about NAU, BYU, Colorado. Sure, they're going to qualify because they're great teams, but they still have to get up and run a decently hard effort. Arkansas and Texas, it, forget about it. I mean, it, the, the the South Central region is such a joke, and and you know maybe you could say some teams in the Northeast as well. Let's bring in more parity and bring in more teams, and to make it to where teams are incentivized to really work hard at the conference meet. I know conference titles mean something. But I could be in support for this when you look at it as what is the worst possible outcome is that you would have drastic changes to the field uh, at the NCAA Cross Country Championships. I don't think you're going to see that. It's still going to be the teams that are supposed to finish in the top 10 will finish in the top 10. You're not going to like see like, oh man, NAU got bounced out of their regional meet because they ran bad and or they didn't try their conference meet. No, no. they're going to, if they're meant to try to, compete for a podium spot they're going to qualify for the meets we're not going to see too many changes there i frankly don't care we, we obviously will hype up the bubble teams because it's fun and the fans are interested in that but if there's if this means the difference between florida state making the meet and texas making the meet but the teams that are going to be fighting for 25th to 30 31st place who cares ultimately as far as a fan experience that doesn't really matter this isn't going to change who's winning national titles or who's making the podium of course it's going to affect the student athletes and maybe how they race 
But I think you do look at it as the regional meet takes on more significant significance and the conference meet takes on more significance. Now, the regular season, how will that impact it? We we don't yet know. We don't know if the COLA system will be a factor in selecting at-large teams. I'm not positive how that all will work. I'm sure some things will be intertwined from the old system if this goes into effect. But I look at it as the conference meet means more. The regional meets are more competitive. I think that's a good thing. Yeah, and uh, I mean, there's certain teams that are going to love the system, like a team like Furman or Iona, where they can run backwards at their conference meet and still win. Uh, so they know they don't have to right. worry about competing hard in, during the regular season to get like however they plan on picking their at-large teams for regionals. I mean, that's the big thing I think that most coaches are going to be concerned about is what is the process? We know they're going to take 30-ish teams because they'll all be conference champions. But what about how they're going to pick the other 50, right? Yeah. And everyone already doesn't like the current process as it is with like wins over this of B teams, A teams. Oh, well, that B team, though, had a DNF, so it doesn't count as an A team. All this back and forth. And like it's literally kind of even a luck of the draw, especially when you get down to the bottom teams that get selected. It's all based on like I just, boy, I'm glad I ran at that race. You know, components. Like, I mean, it's it's yeah, it's, 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 it is. Yeah. You're right. It's all just kind of like it truly isn't the 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 way we decide who goes and who doesn't doesn't truly decide say this team is actually better than that team. It's just like luck. You know, the Cola system is really good at picking the top 15 teams, and then luck picks the remaining 15. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's just like that's how it is. So, yeah. um, I think, uh, I mean, it, what do we know any more specifics about how they plan on doing at large? Or is it more just like, this is a new structure we want to gear towards and we'll figure out the rest later? Is that basically what they're talking about? We're like writing well, the legislation so the before thing, actually the reading only thing it? That's been, yeah, the only thing that's been published is the meeting, is the the minutes, you know, of of the of the the committee meetings on it. So we know we don't, we truthfully don't. And uh, the paperwork just cites, I believe, cites that it could be a five region system, um, with rough, you know, could be eighty teams running at their regional meet. I don't know. We don't know exactly how, or if, or how, like the cola Wait, selection teams per region. No, per no. region or total? Um, total total yeah so yeah. what that'll be so it would be like 16 teams a region roughly right yeah That's... yeah i mean it's yeah, a lot smaller like these... it's a lot, it's a lot smaller. smaller yeah <laughs> i do like the idea though of i mean we talk about how like seeing you know 255 athletes on the starting line and that that mass chaos of a cross country meet. There is something special though, about seeing like small cross country meets because it then becomes more strategy when you know, you can see your competition like the entire time, like has like that dual meet feeling. Um, that's why I kind of like conference. Some conferences are more fun to watch, especially at a conference with like two really good teams where, you know, yeah. like you can actually like, see the race play out you're not trying to figure out like oh this person's 30 seconds back which is 300 points you're going to be able to kind of visualize it so i do like the idea of less teams in a meaningful race and i don't that think it can be sense. over 
Yeah, I, I don't think it can be overstated, too, that that money surely has to be involved here when schools are being asked. And of course, we know cross country on a school by school basis loses money and it's compensated by the, the big sports like football, basketball and what have you. All these schools that have that are going to these regional meets that have basically zero shot to make nationals. I understand there are things more important than money, but I, I almost wonder if some institutions are saying, <laughs> you know, we need to have a merit system to get to the regional meet because we're traveling to this with no shot to move on. And that's costing our school. It's taking money out. I, I don't know this to be true, but, you know, we know in this world money drives everything. And I, I have to think all these programs that go to regionals, when, when they know they have no shot, uh, if they're trying to maybe limit that for the individual institutions to help, especially in a time like now where we're going to be counting every dollar, I think, program by program, if that has something to do with it. Now, it may not, but I, I have a hard time believing it doesn't just simply because of the current situation we're in with with um, so much financial uh, financial uh, uncertainty going forward after this pandemic. Uh, you know, we don't know what cross country is going to look like. I mean, we're hoping to have cross country this fall, be it if sports are approved by then and or if, you know, changes to college football really thin out the pocketbooks of, of programs. Uh, but I, I got to think this has something to do with that as well. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because I think in this situation, the schools pay for travel to regionals and then NCAA pays for travel to NCAAs, correct? Right. Right. Yeah. So I, Will this make it then, though, if they do create a merit system, then the NCAA would pay for travel to regionals I, because I you qualified it. for it? But I doubt that be it. Because you, no? Wait, does the school I, pay, though? Because you qualify for I – I mean, I don't know this, but you qualify for, like, track regionals. Do you have to pay, do you have to, pay to go to that? To prelims? Uh, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I would say no if – if you're telling me, and, and I listen, I don't know the ins and outs of this. If, if you're telling me that NCAA pays for travel for NCAA championships, I mean, at NCAA prelims on the track, there is NCAA branding everywhere. And I guess the same is true for cross country, but I, I can't imagine that they're paying for, I, I bet, I bet prelims schools still have to pay for and regional schools have to pay for. And they say, when you get to the real NCAA championships, I could totally be wrong, but that would seem a lot to pay for um, given how but, many like, programs. I think they might though pay for it because they considered okay. the prelims the first round. Like okay, well then if regional is... first round and qual and quarterfinals, yeah. so maybe that's why they want to do this because now and saves the regional system money. Yeah. will no. become the first round. So therefore, yeah. when you go to it, it's paid for. Yeah, uh, maybe that's why. Totally. If NCAA's and definitely we see the motivation here. If that's true, we have no idea of knowing right at this instance. But if NCAA is paying for all these cross countries, every, literally every Division One school that wants to compete at regionals can. If if that's the case, then absolutely you see the motivation behind this. Not just like what Dave Smith was saying on Ryan and Alex's podcast that it's NCAA cross country trying to imitate other sports. This is a money thing, pure and simple. If that's the case. Um, so I, I understand that even further um, in that instance. Uh, but I don't think we can overstate the money aspect is is going to be a big driver here when you look at, like I said, cross-country. I mean, even for Oregon, like cross-country is a losing venture that's made up by other sports. Like everyone loses money yeah. in cross-country. It's not a spectator sport for the most part. You're not going to make money selling tickets. You're not making money selling gear. Uh, 
and so for cross country to continue to operate at a massive deficit, especially in these these uncertain times, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And so I could see that being the driver here. What so this whole process, right? We're gonna have auto qualifiers from conference champions that takes about thirty of the fifth of the eighty spots, and then the yep. other fifty spots are gonna be taken at large, right? So how do you propose? How do you think they would potentially pick those fifty teams? Do you think they'll do well, it the I, way they do Colos? Yeah, I was gonna say they're gonna go to the second place team. They'll go to the second place team and compare all the second place teams head to head. It's going to be a nightmare. First off, I mean that's just no, a lot of. Well, they're not going to compare second place teams in every conference. Is that what they're going to do? Because that's not equal. The second place Pac twelve well, team is not the not second equal, place. But then you're going to go to regular season performance, right? I don't know, but I, I would assume. I mean, I, my assumption again would be you 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 go to the second place team and then you say, okay, Colorado men got second. They're the top second place team in the country. And you go from I, I, I don't know. Is he that? These well, are questions I mean, that need to be can, answered. I don't yeah, know. I mean, you could get sixth in the the best conference and be a top ten program. You know what I mean? Well, like, that's so. that's the problem you introduce here. Is that that's a that's a potential thing, right? That that's a you could get you could get fifth in the Pac twelve and and legitimately in in two or three weeks time be a top ten team. But then in this new format, it's possible that you could be left out. I mean, but we we know the AC does not need to be getting three teams, and we know the you know the I don't know I, I don't want to the, the Missouri Valley doesn't need to be getting four teams. Then that's kind of the scary thing you introduce here. But and you know certain conferences also, don't need to get. Yeah, go ahead. But also, you can't make conferences your place at conferences be your qualification order because, I mean, if Duke gets knocked out in the first round of the ACC tournament, they're not going to be not considered to be in the NCAA I understand. tournament. You know, they're, yeah, I understand. So they're not – But, it, but, but like with the regional happen. cross – But you, you'd have to – you'd have to not just look at conferences as a starting point. You'd have to look at conferences plus re regular season. But the question is, will teams have enough – I mean, regular season is what can be one race again. I mean, everyone's still just going to go to Nutticombe or pre-Nats, get yeah. their whatever qualification points there. You know? That's yeah, what I think, but right? – in the current regional format, of course, you still have to modestly perform. I mean, Oregon can't go to the the West Regional and get fifteenth. Like, you know, they like you said, Duke can get knocked out of the first round and still have an NCAA tournament spot guaranteed. That's not necessarily the same in cross country. Like, you still have to show up at regionals right now. So that no, part you isn't can't going make going to change. No, that. But I'm talking about qualifying for regionals. You can't make oh. You should. It should be okay to bomb at conferences and still be a team that qualifies for regionals. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you but how many conferences bomb the first at round? Yeah, well, I mean, it can I happen, they... right? What well, if someone gets injured and like, you know, Portland? They don't care about. They, they, they themselves have said like we don't care about conferences, right? Didn't they? Yeah. Where they purposely yeah. don't run their 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 best team. And maybe so. that that starts that starts to. Uh, starts to change. Listen, I think the biggest point we'll wrap up and talk about other things here in the sport is the batting average for these things being pushed all the way through the changes is pretty low, probably hitting yeah, about true. 150. So they'd be the the the, uh, the the rules committee or whatever the NCAA committee would be sent down to the minors right now as far as how successful they've been. So the overarching theme for this is I will believe it when I see it because this stuff is 
literally every six months we hear about these drastic changes. 1500 is going to be the mile. Nope, that never happened. 10,000 yeah, meter race. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this stuff always gets thrown system. out. Yeah. It's yeah. always coming out. And it all it takes is a coach or somebody on this committee to propose something. And they can say, every shot putter also has to sh throw with their offhand. And we'll be like, oh, my God, that's going to happen. And then it never happens because, uh, you know, whatever the cooler heads prevail. So maybe this goes through. I think we since there's no track or no obviously you know nothing going on we have more time to speculate on this stuff so it seems more present and i don't know that to be 100 percent the case but i think that is i'll believe this when i see it i i, I side with you on this i do believe that like you said the odds of these going these things going through are extremely rare because it's you got to have a huge majority vote for it and you had the whole big big school opinion versus small school opinion so uh yeah I think yeah yeah I think we're more likely to have crazy change at like the football level with power 5 and non-power 5 and like breaking away from the NCA than we are to have this regional system get changed. I think that yeah. is the bigger you know thing to drop is a change of the whole structure of like power 5 NCAA before the change of nine regions to five. But yeah. it is a track podcast and it's fun to talk about track things. So We'll yep. paint it, cut it down in December. <laughs> there you go. Uh, okay, more news going forward. Uh, no surprise here, especially with what Wisconsin did and saying that they're not going to grant the extra season of eligibility for their spring sport athletes. But Oliver Hoare is going professional. He has signed with Flynn Sports, Ray Flynn, uh, obviously one of the most prominent agents in track and field. Uh I'm sure your reaction is the same. This is no surprise, and we'll wait to see what his shoe sponsor will be. But what did you think of Ali Hor turning professional, I guess, instead of transferring to another school? I mean, that's what I think about. I think about what would have been cool if, like, all of these seniors who only have outdoor eligibility were, like, they pick up the phone, they all call, and they're like, hey, they pick a school. They just pick, like, a really, like, shitty school, right? They're just like, all right, oh, not shitty. We're I'm going to ask you to name a shitty school then. Yeah, I know. I, that's, I shouldn't say that. Well, would they pick like a D3 school, right? They pick a D3 school, right? And they're so like, hey, we're all going to go here. Johns Hopkins. But Terrible they all, academic you have, like, school. You have like these six star like potential eventual international talent people all go into a random D3 school in the middle of nowhere. And then right. they just like shattered a D3 record books. They go to like the pen relays and they beat all the D1 teams in the four by mile, the DMR. Mm -hmm. And they just like make a joke of like the system. And I think it'd be kind of funny if they just like, you know, kind of like LeBron yeah. getting the boys <laughs> together and the banana boat. You just have like this, like, you know, you have Carlos Villarreal, you know, Jordy Beamish, Oliver Hoare, Joe Klecker, Alex Osberg. They just all go to the same like something, something university in like Montana. And they just dominate. Wouldn't that be before this? Instead, they're <clears throat> these athletes are choosing to try to get paid, uh, which, <clears throat> while maybe not as fun as breaking all the D three records, is a little bit more logical. Uh, it would be yes. funny, though, right? Hilarious. Um, so Oliver Hoare, obviously his legacy, winning the twenty eighteen. NCAA 1500 title, being good in cross country, running 354 indoor mile, 337, 1500. Uh, 
What do we think happens so, with him? Do you think it's a, do you think it's a Morgan McDonald situation? We know he's an Aussie, of course. Do we think he's going to stay yeah. with with Mick and and train in Madison? I think he'll stay with Mick. Um, I think he'll do a Morgan McDonald move. I think he'll probably sign with Under Armour. Um, no. I do think though. Back to my crazy theory of people transferring for the crazy eighth year of eligibility. So right now, the only like notable like seniors who only had outdoor eligibility left was like Fiona O'Keefe of Stanford and Alex Osberg of Stanford. Alex Osberg went to North Carolina. Fiona O'Keefe went to New Mexico. Are there any other like big name only had outdoor eligibility that are still debating whether or not to go pro? Because like all this news of Danny Jones going pro, Joe Klecker, Oliver Hoare, Alicia Monson, it's all kind of like, yeah, okay, it makes sense. Like You're done with school. Tyler Day still had outdoor, right? Tyler Day had outdoor, correct? Tyler Day had outdoor left. So no, we don't, we're waiting on his announcement. Home. I guess Tyler Day. Jordy Beamish is another one. Yeah. Guess, the two NAU guys. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to, to see if any of them, uh, if there's another like big shoe to drop of like, I'm staying, you know? So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting. Anyway. Well, we haven't, really had that other than uh, no, no athlete has been like i'm staying put it's either i'm going professional or i'm transferring i mean i i know there are athletes that are staying put but as far as these big names from jones monson whore the stanford athletes and then now to oliver whore i mean we haven't seen anybody like i'm um, i mean i guess you don't announce anything when your situation stays the same uh you're not hey I'm staying here. Like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe we won't see that from Tyler day. I have no idea, but you know, I could see him going pro. Uh, The whore thing doesn't really do much for me as, as much as like Thomas Ratcliffe going to North Carolina. Now I understand Milt's there and, and Osberg will be there as well, but that's interesting. He goes from running on a team that, you know, is going to be at, you know, at the NCAA meet as a team to now going to North Carolina where there's not a, hard and fast guarantee that they're going to be qualifying as a team. It's, it's, it's going to be weird to see, to see Thomas Radcliffe helming that team with seemingly training partners other than Osberg that are not going to be near the quality of that he had at, at Palo Alto. What did you think of that, that move? Yeah. I mean, the move made sense. I do think that this is something that Milton needed. I mean, this is kind of like the pandemic has been like the best, like, uh, what's a program starter for Milt that you could have ever asked for? I know it sounds oh jeez, jeez, awful to say, but you know what, what I'm saying is like it created an opportunity for like there to be an influx of fifth year transfers to kind of kickstart the program because sometimes you know you need you need to have like that year of like or year and a half of just the younger guys seeing how the older how the the, the legit guys do it and then that kind of like you know, success breeds success. And I do think that the presence of Osberg and Ratcliffe and some of these Ivy League transfers that they got, like Connor Lundy, who's, you know, a strong sub-14 guy, I think the presence of those guys, the freshmen and sophomores are going to see that and be like, they put on pairs of pants the same way I do, one leg at a time. Maybe (laughs) if I just do the training that they do, I can become, you know, maybe in their time, like an eight-flat 3K guy. And then these eight flat 3K guys are encouraging the next generation to become 750 3K guys. And then it just it yeah. transfers. And then that's how Milt builds a program. So I think. Does Radcliffe. The, yeah, go ahead. 
Ratcliffe has a lot of eligibility. Like he's no. I was going to ask me, does he finally figure out cross country cross country nationals? He hasn't quite done that yet. He bombed last year. Is this the catalyst for him running well at NCAA cross? I mean, dare I say it? What? It's May eleventh, twenty twenty. Ratcliffe could win. He could win cross. He has the quite the story going from one eighty third to. Uh, to first, that'd be quite the move. Um, I mean, he, uh, Connor. I mean, Connor Mance is hurt, right? Isai Rodriguez banged up. I mean, well, I there's a JUCO guy coming in. Yeah, there's a JUCO guy coming in. Wesley Bagura going to Iowa State, who will be good. But like, I mean, Ratcliffe is a legit guy. He was people forget yeah. literally less than a year ago. He was third in a 5K behind Fisher and McDonald. So he beat Edwin Kurgott in that 5K. And Ratcliffe had a strong cross-country season up until, you know, yeah. the, the final race. But a lot of people had bad races. I mean, Luis Grohalva finished 50th, but then Luis Grohalva goes on to run 740-something. So, you yeah. know, people have bad days. I do think Thomas Ratcliffe could be potentially not just like, oh, a top 10 guy. He could win. I don't, I don't think it's crazy to think Thomas Ratcliffe could win. He's back with his yeah, coach. Well, yeah. I wouldn't go that far, but but we'll see. We'll see. Um we'll why, see. Why I would you, you go know, that far? Well, I just think going from 183rd to uh to first is quite the Herculean task. I'd say there's some mental things to overcome before we get that far. I know he was third in that, but I you know, is that his is that his one outlier performance as as opposed to the norm? Uh, I still think there's multiple things to correct. I mean, we went to Pac 12s and he was only like sixth or something. You know, I need to see somebody guy some guy getting top three in every every type of performance. He's not Joe Klecker yet in cross country. Like, but regardless, I think it's going to be a good situation for him. He'll still train with Osberg. That seems to have worked. And getting back with Milt, that was a comfortable position for him to be in. Uh, you don't underestimate, you know, the, these little changes here, obviously tr moving across the country is significant, but you know, getting back to, to a coach that's, that you're comfortable with can, can have dramatic impact on your, on your performance. Uh, okay. Let's get to the last thing on this ticker that I keep seeing rolling by still trying to get used to this. Nick Willis teased out, uh, the end of seven years of partnership with Adidas. He famously was with them for, for, well, like I said, seven years. Before that, he was with Reebok. He said today he's going to make an announcement. We don't know, you know, odds are favoring him signing with another brand. Maybe he's inventing his own shoe. Maybe he's signing with Hoka. Maybe he's signing with, with Crocs. Maybe he's, uh, you know, retiring. I don't know. What, what, are you, what are you thinking is going to be this Nick Willis announcement? I think he's retiring. You think? Okay, the line is, thank you, Adidas Running, for your incredible support the last seven years. We'll always be proud of my time repping the three stripes. Okay. Exciting announcement coming Tuesday, which is tomorrow. Okay, one. Oh, say I thought it was today. Dang it. No, it's coming tomorrow. All right, so say he, say he, in a world he signed with Nike. Do you think Nike would be, would want him to do a big shout out to Adidas right before he announces he's signing with Nike? No, they would be like, hey, that kind of like cross, like you don't need to like pump up, you know, your old brand right before you sign mm -hmm. with us, right? Because it seems kind of weird. I, I, yeah. I think, I don't think he, ha I think obviously he's, he's 37, right? 
the Olympic, he won't yeah. be, he'll be 38, 39 by the time the Olympics are around. I think he's going to be unsponsored. I don't think he's sponsored. I think if he is, he's sponsored by like a local running company, like, you know, a local, wow. like a Michigan thing or like a brewing company, just like a, a fun little, you know, low level non apparel sponsorship or he'll retire. Hmm. I think when you say exciting, let's see, what did he say exactly? Exciting announcement coming Tuesday. I don't think retirement is exciting. Like, is that an exciting thing to talk about? I mean, it's obviously his career would be celebrated and we it would be a joyous time to look back at what a great career he's had. But I don't think that's an exciting announcement. I think we're going to hear him. Let, let's let's run through. What's the what are the possibilities here? I think Nike okay, is probably so, less likely. I could see I could see So okay. A I'm, I'm or Brooks alignment. Brooks has been famous for late career signings. Think of Dathan Ritzenhein, think of Nick Simmons. I could see I could see a Brooks deal coming down the pipeline. Hoka, you know, they've continued to work on their stable of athletes in in the past. Nike, I mean Willis has been so critical of, I think, of what the sketchiness of Nike's past. That that's just so 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 unlikely. Uh, but I could see like a Hoka or or a Brooks deal. I, I that's okay, I, what I'm putting my money on. I think it's. I don't think he's. I I think he's not going to be signed because he did. Respond that's not an to exciting announcement. Hey, I'm going to make an announcement on this podcast. I I don't have a shoe sponsor. But no, no, he's going to have like he's 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 hyping up. A subpar sponsor is what he's doing. He's high because this is what he said. Someone tweeted at him back to Reebok question mark, and he responded mm -hmm. saying, "I do have some G units stored in my basement. Might be time to bring those back out." So like, he currently is kind of like, "Whatever, I'm on my own now. I'll run in whatever. Mm -hmm. I'll run in my my old Reeboks." He doesn't. He's not. I think this is what I think. I don't think he's announcing a signing with a shoe company. I think he's announcing a shining with like a local car dealership or a local Michigan run oh. store or local or just like a two-time like Olympic medalist you're talking just about like signing with with Mitsubishi ran, here come like on man a, a goo a, a goo gum or like run gum or all this stuff he's gonna announce a signing with one of those and he's you just think? gonna be unsponsored but sponsored by low tier sponsorships and he's using the word exciting announcement to like just hype out this small level brand because I'm sure Nick Willis walked into a, a local running store and it's like, Hey, I'm Nick Willis. I'm a multi-time <laughs> Olympian. I have lots of medals. Uh, do you want to sponsor me? Like, yeah, sure. You know, they're, they're like, sure. Yeah. Why not? Right. And so he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do a big announcement for you on Instagram and on Twitter. You know, that's what, mm -hmm. that's what's happening. He, the word I have an exciting announcement it's him hyping up a low tier sponsorship. I I don't think so. I'm Brooks or Hoka, man. Brooks or Hoka. I'm telling you, that's it. You telling me one of those brands wouldn't jump at the chance to have Nick Willis? We've seen both those brands sign quote unquote legacy athletes. Hoka really jump started off of Leo Manzano signing in what 2013. And we've seen them grow. I'm not saying that's all to do with Manzano. And then, like I said, Ritzenhein and and Simmons, guys in late career that had previous lives with other brands, signed with them. And I, I think this is this is following that similar do, model. I think okay. we're gonna, I think Hoka. 
I'm going to go with you're Hoka. Sitting, if you're sitting on the marketing board for an apparel company mm-hmm. and you're looking at the chart and you're seeing, shit, we're losing a lot of money because no one is buying things because we're in the middle of a pandemic. And then the smart idea from the guy is like, oh, we should go sign a 37-year-old Willis in the middle of a pandemic and give mm-hmm. him a full-time mm-hmm. salary. I don't think that mm-hmm. person would be still employed by that apparel company. Maybe they say, we really need want to sell shoes in Michigan and New Zealand. That is where our markets are really going to be flourishing. Let's go for it. Let's go all in. You know that they say GMs, they they hitch their jobs to, to certain signings or certain draft picks. I think that's what this is. Some, uh, some executive at one of those brands is saying, this is it. I'm going. I'm either. I'm either reaching the next pedestal with this, or I'm. I'm out the way. I'm out the door with this. It's a risk. It's a calculated risk for either Hoka or Brooks. I'm calling it that way. I think it's going to be Hoka. I don't think we're going to see Nick Simmons signing with Johnny's uh, Surf Shop or whatever your idea is. Uh, I, I think this is another. It's a transition to another shoe brand. I just don't think anyone's going to sign him in 2020. Harsh. There's it's like. I'm like, it's people aren't looking to spend money right now. Like companies aren't looking to spend money on new sponsorships. Like, especially thirty-seven-year-old. Hmm. Like, I mean, yes, he's probably going to. I mean, he won his like indoor or out. I guess it's an outdoor, outdoor fifteen hundred like championship. Like he can, he's gonna go to the. I guess it makes sense. He's gonna go to the Olympics because he can be top three in New Zealand no matter what. Um, but like, well, he's still got to run the standard. Pat- yeah, he's still got to run a standard. I just, I don't think, I think Nick, Nick is going to be fighting just to make the Olympics as opposed to fighting for like an Olympic medal. He's got the, uh, the outdoor 1500 world lead in 2020, 341.77. <laughs> he ran a lot of 1500s this year. He went one, two, three, yeah. four, five, six, six 1500s. He lot. really. Oh wow! But God. two, two, yeah, two of did. them are, are mile splits. Two of them are mile splits, but still. Oh yeah, sub four and both. I mean, the man ran three fifty six at at Milrose. He's been doing it forever. Just turned thirty seven. I'm telling you. Okay, so this so you're is... so you're saying you think it's going to be a shoe sponsorship of Hoka or Brooks? Yeah. Hoka I think Brooks. it's going to be a low tier sponsorship from a local or apparel non apparel company. Hmm. That's what I think. Like noon. I don't know. Like he's going to get sponsored by noon. Okay. Well, I mean, that, there are worse things, Gordon. There are worse things than being properly hydrated for your uh, exercise. You know, that's what I think. So, okay. We'll see. Well, we'll we differ out. on those opinions. It's good. That's why people listen. They differ. We can have a live reaction show when we find out what we can go straight on air and just be like beep 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 we're reacting to nick willis either signing with a shoe brand or joining johnny's surf shop in in uh i don't know detroit michigan i don't know but uh oh man there is not a lot to talk about when nick willis's big announcement has this much attention on it you know there's not a lot going on so okay so uh, i think that speaking of not ha- yeah well speaking of not having a lot to talk about at the before we started recording the pod, I came up with an idea of like, hey, every day for every pod, we can say the date and then come up with uh, talk about famous runners who are born on this day, right? 
I like um, it. It was on my mind because birthdays are on my mind. Like I said in the beginning of the pod, obviously my girlfriend's birthday is today. I gotta get that. I gotta figure out what I'm doing uh, for that. But uh, I was thinking, oh, May 11th. Let's look at famous May 11th birthdays. And I was looking mm-hmm. it up. There is an athlete who turned 14 today. On they were born in 2006, and uh, they have a Tilla Zapagia account even though they've never run a single race on fast enough. But this person is, who do you think turned 14 today that would have like a, I would that, that would have a Telesopagia account for those who don't know Telesopagia is like this database for all track and field that a lot of media people use to figure out historical results and stuff like that. But do you think of a 14 year old? No, I, I don't spend any time thinking female, about uh, what female. No, female I'm not even going to. Yeah. No, I'm not going to act like I can even remotely think about that. Why? She has Who a famous last name. She has a famous last name. Oh, God. Uh, what? Can you give me the nationality of this person? Uh, that'll give it away. Uh, it's not American. And if uh, she has older brothers. How many older brothers? Three. Oh. Oh, okay. So it's an Ingebrigtsen of some sort, right? Yeah. Ingrid okay. Ingebrigtsen, which is a great name. Ingrid Ingebrigtsen. Ingrid Ingebrigtsen. <laughs> Ingrid Ingebrigtsen. She's 14. She's going to, you know, she's going to start high school soon, right? So watch out for Ingrid Ingebrigtsen. Well, now I got to go to this page and check out her. Well, I got to check out her PRs now, right? She doesn't have any now, right? Oh, does she have PRs? She well, then why does she have results. a page? Why does she have because a her last name's Because Ingr- her last name's Ingebrigtsen. Ingebrigtsen. Sorry. I got yeah, my in Ingolbertson one time. Yeah, uh, it's your birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday! Uh, <laughs> yeah, which is kind of crazy that four, you you know you got fast brothers when you get your own bio without any results just because of your last name. They just assume yeah. that eventually she's going to be fast, which I guess is a good assumption. Yeah, how fast do you think she'll be? Do you think she'll become like a like a as good as her brothers? Well, uh, it's tough. I don't know what she's obviously. Yeah, I would say. I mean, mean, Jakob, though, is the the superstar. Typically, families have like one superstar, and it looks like they've already used that, the superstar uh, button on Jakob. Obviously, Phillip's a medalist, so he's pretty darn good as well. But Jakob's going to be the guy who may eventually challenge world records. So maybe she has that in her as well um but she's got to get on it i mean by this time Jakob was 14 he was already running like pretty close to world-class time so chop chop 14 no he wasn't he didn't start running I mean, fast he was till run- like 16 17 oh sorry so she's only got two years to go okay she's got two well, years man yeah she gotta get training okay That'll that'll do it for us today. Uh, that was a wide ranging one. Uh, let us know your thoughts. The email flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. We're gonna have a, a fun week on the podcast. Wednesday we'll bring a very unique show. Actually, that may air Thursday. We'll have a couple guests, a crossover episode. We'll save you uh, the details until we get there. Keep the surprise, the element of surprise going. Uh, for myself, Lincoln Trike, he's Gordon Mack. We will see you tomorrow.